everybody. Welcome to the Energy News Beat Podcast. My name's Stu Turley, President and CEO of the Sandstone Group. I've got a series with George McMillan, and it's probably the most single important series that I've done as a podcast host. Have you ever wondered why certain decisions are made or things go the way they go in space around the geopolitical world? George McMillan is a academia uh, geopolitical uh, guru. And he has released three articles on the Newsbeat. Uh, the last one was U.S. cut off their European allies from af affordable energy. Now what? The one before that was Russian natural gas and geopolitical realignment, a reverse domino theory, the geopolitical problem of the U.S. and a German-Russo-Japanese connection. All three of those articles are phenomenal. They're available. They'll be in the show notes. And George's first podcast and I, we recorded for over two hours of content. George is knowledgeable. He's been boots on the ground around the world, and I can't begin to tell you how much I'm appreciative of getting to know you, George. George, thank you. You're the CEO of McMillan Associates. Thank you for stopping by the podcast. Oh, yeah. Thanks a lot, Stu. Yeah, and thanks for um, thanks for putting my work out there, especially in the, in the energy sector, because oh. there's a few things that people really don't understand, yep. and that's the role of, of, of energy and geopolitics. Right. And they don't know the grand strategies of uh, how the United States has been always, you know, since uh, since Kennan's five power center doctrine, always trying to surround Russia at first. And then in the 1949, you know, Mao Zedong defeated Chiang Kai-shek. Then it was containing Russia and China together to stop communism. Right. But the reverse domino theory. And then obviously, uh well, what I've been looking at in Southeast Asia is looking at the Ho Chi Minh Trail campaign, you know, since 1950s. Right. So I've been riding my motorcycle around, taking a lot of pictures. I'll be going back, uh, you know, uh, hopefully uh, January, February-ish. Right. But the uh, the whole idea of the United States is they wanted to rebuild Western Europe and keep that as their allies after World War II and reindustrialize it because the argument was the Morgenthau plan was to keep Germany deindustrialized so they can't start a war again. Right. But then how do you contain Russia? So then the counter argument came from uh, Ambassador George Kennan of, you know, you need to reindustrialize and rebuild both Germany and France so they can support an army to oppose the spread of communism from uh, from from the Soviet Union. Wow. As and then also since. Russia spans such a big, huge uh, part of the Eurasian heartland. You have to rebuild Japan and South and maintain South Korea. You know, uh, you're getting into Mahan sea power versus sea power theory and then hem them in on the uh, on the Japanese side. Right. So the idea was for the United States to be in power center number one, rebuild Europe in power center number two, rebuild right. Japan and South Korea in power center number three. And then contain Russia in power center four and China in power center five. So that's basically the five power center doctrine. Wow. Okay. It's an, I was just having a discussion offline as we were talking before. It's an extension of the old British great game of always hemming in the Russian ports in St. Petersburg, Sevastopol, right. and Vladivostok. See, all three, Russia only has three major ports in the subarctic. Right. They're all naturally surrounded and hemmed in by islands or seas. Uh, Vladivostok right. is surrounded by Japan. So the United States moved into Japan, wanted to end the Japanese war early with the with the atomic bombs because they didn't want Russia to take over more of the Kuriles. They already took over the, the northern Kuriles. And uh, Sakhalin Island, they didn't want them to take over the island chain because then the United States couldn't put its navy in to surround Vladivostok. Right. The sea and of feeds, And that feeds in right into Ukraine and why uh, Russia took Crimea for those eight ports that are in the sub bases, the Black Sea, even though the Black Sea is in there, as we kind of alluded to also on the last podcast. The map that I'm using, uh, George, is the map that was on our article titled uh, The Geopolitical Problem of the German-Russo-Japanese Connection. 
So we'll take a look at that one and we'll also have some other ones. So um, producers, if you can go ahead and fly that back out, we'll be all right. So George, sorry for cutting you off. Just wanted to help get into that because we also covered Gaza on the last one as well, too. But let's go back on. So those first three were a beautiful summary of the the articles are really going into your next phase of your next three articles. So as we go over the summary of this, you and I have been having wonderful interaction on the great traction these three stories are getting in our original podcast. That's nuts how far this article has been going. Yeah, um, you're going to put up the fourth article today. Um, yes. And yeah, because, okay, in this forum, no one's going to read no, no one's going to read a hundred page book. So we no. got to do this, you know, two or three pages at a time. A, people don't know the role of energy and geopolitical realignment. And two, the second problem is people have never heard of the post-Mahan, post-McKinder no. sea power versus sea power and sea power versus land power grand strategies. Those are taught, you know, some people are like, well, why is George talking about these obscure theories? Because it's what they teach at the military academies and Britain and UK, and yep. then the Russians picked them up, and then they they use it too. When you get into uh, Mahan started the sea power versus sea power theories because it was you know after the Civil War era and uh, and the beginning of the battles with uh, with this with Spain over o- over Cuba and the the Spanish colonies in in Latin America and especially the Caribbean. So he was just stating. Going back through history of the wars between the the naval wars between Great Britain and Portugal and uh, and Spain and especially France, he's going over uh, those mercantilistic uh, strategic plans right. to to stop another country's trade and make it uh, well. It's bigger thy neighbor policies is what they called it. Okay, I had a professor Schaefer at Rutgers. He's, he lives up in uh, northern. Uh, Thailand now that always drilled home what these strategic plans were. Right. So what Mahan talked about, what he read a lot of Adam Smith's Wealth of Nations, because that was 1776. So he's right. so a hundred years later, he's he's talking about that. And David Ricardo's uh fundamentals of political economy. He he's really focusing on those things. A country has a production of goods, but it doesn't become wealth until you can trade it for things that you don't have but need. And then he goes into, you trade out of your strengths for your weaknesses, but you're also getting allies with. Right. So in, in post-Clausewitzian theory and Bismarck, you're using your, uh, your economy and your infrastructure to drive your military, which then drives your diplomacy. So you get diplomatic, infrastructural, military, economic dime analysis Right. Or political, military, economic, social, infrastructural, informational, you know, transportation, communications. When right. you get into economic theory, especially the solo swan models or the or the uh, Rostow growth and development models, that part of the Mahan theory is really advanced with modern economics. Right. So a way to stop the economic growth theories and the national power measures of Pamesian dime is to stop somebody's trade. So once you understand that, that's the basis of Kennan, who's, uh, who was from Yale. That's his focus on hemming in all the Russian uh, ports on both sides, right. both on the European side and the Pacific Rim side. So then that explains why we uh, resurrected the Japanese in- industry after World War II. It explains why we maintained the foothold in uh, in South Korea. And then it ex- explains the whole uh, Southeast Asia, French, Indochina, Vietnam War uh, uh, history and why wow. there's so much focus on uh, especially, well, it was started out in Laos and Northern Vietnam, and then it it, it just kept on spreading. Right. But it's the whole idea is not just to contain communism, it's to control the rimland to all around Eurasia in order to block the heartland in, in original Mackinder right. speak, because Russia changed from Soviet Union to Russia or back and forth. Right. Different political systems. You know, Putin spent a lot of money in rebuilding the Orthodox Church because he says Marth, uh, atheistic Marxism is just a big, it's a big nothing. It's right. a real failure. 
So once you know that. Now, George, um, when I was listening, I listened to that first podcast over five times. I've been in the car a, lo a lot of hours and everything. Your lights and the way that you explained all of this was phenomenal. I started having some serious lights as everything started going off. And as you, we talked about the Crimea, as it feeds into today, that history, and we're going to have some of those as the transcript comes, comes out on this, the Ukraine war was intentional from Putin to come down and get those sea bases, as we kind of talked about. It has the whole NATO kind of thing in there. You sent me also some uh, a, an article yesterday with why NATO, and I don't want to go into this because this will be covered, I'm sure, in some of your, your other things. But keeping everything that you're discussing right now in current geopolitical is the point I'm trying to make. You oh, have just yeah. explained all of these things. And when our last podcast, you led it right up to why Gaza was going on. So this, your article, and the reason I'm bringing this up is your article titled The Geopolitical Problems of a U.S.-German-Russo-Japanese Connection. I uh, actually digs into the potential of not having an ally in Japan. Yeah. Everything you described is a real problem for a government that does not think correctly or not, excuse me, that thinks aggressively and, and thinks that everybody's going to be their ally. Not everybody's going to be your ally because the key point out of those first three and the fourth being released today is the fact that our government is assuming governments will be our allies, but we have not been supporting their low-cost energy, George. Yeah. And if we don't support their low-cost energy and we deprive them of them, the U.S. set up Japan with an, a heck of an industrial uh, machine. We upgraded their machines and their things, and that's why they were economically very successful after World War II. The best thing that could ever happen to a country is have the U.S. come in and beat the snot out of them and then get their manufacturing and everything up again. And you nailed it with everything that you just talked about and how the decisions were made with uh, this is kind of a confirmation that I think I understand what you're saying. And that is we were deciding on how to get Germany either to set them up and tee them up for success and industrialize them. Was all of that a fairly consistent, correct statement? Yeah. Yeah. The Marshall Plan did that. So you, everything we're talking about applies to today. And I, I just that's the key point for people listening to this. And listening to your series. Yeah, it's uh, there's uh, a few things I want to uh, bring up, you know, from the way that you stated that. Yes. Is and the reason why I went back to the great game and and, and later on, you know, OK, we already have a bunch of papers that we need to go over. Right. Down the road, when you actually we, we actually need to get into the history of the uh, of the of the grand strategies. Right. What I want people to focus on right here, because we get we did the two hour interview where I went basically counterclockwise around Eurasia because I like to do that pretty much. Or did we go until I whatever. kept interrupting? <laughs> and and we still need and and we're still dozens of papers away from getting into Turkey because that's a really oh no their strategic plans right because we need to we need to focus we need to control for one variable at a time and just talk about Russia and energy right and and how its pipelines going out to the other industrial power centers. So from the heartland to the coastal rimland in, in McKinder language. Right. We're focusing on that. The other thing I want to focus on when you go back to the great game and the history of the grand strategies is this is a continual war over the last 400 years. Wow. Okay. So people need to stop thinking, oh, well, Putin invaded Ukraine in, in February of, of 2022. No, they need to see this as an ongoing war. And then what uh, Speakman called, you know, the, the, the Yale professor, uh, the, the neutral zones. So Kennan was talking about you rebuild Germany and push on the Warsaw Pact countries going west to east. We, uh, the agency, uh, well, 
both the Brits and the Americans got rid of Mossadegh in Iran to try to break up a Russia-Soviet alliance with Iran, so they would get sea access in the Persian Gulf and um, and the uh, and the Indian Ocean. So people need to see this as just an ongoing conflict. Also, again, I, we we talked about Operation Cyclone of Zbigniew Brzezinski, and you know, again, Harvard Grand Strategies. Uh, he took the the Yale seminars with Kissinger and and Klaus Schwab in '67. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're all in the same mix. Wow. So it's to the the foray into into Central Asia is always to try to to, to try to break up Russian and Chinese uh, pipeline integration and railway integration to keep them from integrating because the five power center doctrine is how do you surround them and then divide and conquer them. Right. But people need to see it as an ongoing war. And what the uh, what the first paper was about on the do- on the domino theory was right. it's actually not the spread of communism. That was the big worry. It's actually the natural gas integration and Pamisi dime analysis that actually changes everything. That's actually, you know, because I was I went in and out of college. Um, so, yeah, when I went back and finished my finished my undergrad degree. And the Berlin Wall fell and, and communism fell and all of that. We thought it was great. And it, it and there's a bunch of options we need to get into, too. But, um, yeah, if we could just get into we'll go over the map okay. and then get into because um, I already went over enough of what the five power center doctrine was. Right. I've done papers on and podcasts and slide sets on what a Russo centric six power doctrine is on. Right. And then going forward, again, this is going to take a lot of a lot of papers and um, and and a lot of podcasts if we're trying to keep it down to under an hour, right? To explain <laughs> to put it in a nine power center doctrine because you have to explain under what conditions the the alliances will break down. So right. if you use the if you, if you use the nine power centers as the U.S. U.K. France, Germany, Russia, India, China, South Korea, and Japan. Right. And then the other ones are secondary or tertiary powers. You can kind of see if they get a new government because uh, democracies, you know, different political parties and factions and ruling coalitions come into power. Right. They might reverse the old one. That's what democracies do. So you can start to look at these things and start to say, okay, if you have a change in government because of an election in this country, they're going to get cheap natural gas. And then what then their industry industries are going to become more cost competitive globally and they're going to move ahead. Then another country is going to jump on and say, well, we got to stay competitive. So we're going to buy natural gas in pipelines. Then they're going to jump into it. So it's it's no set order. I have it set up. Where you can just monitor it and right. see see how the internal elections are going, knowing already knowing that uh, this is going to be in the so the first batch of papers is just about the Russian connection. So the second batch is going to be about the uh, the Chinese Silk and Road and Belt and Road nice. logistical supply line and realignment and how they work together. So we're everybody just throws those around, George, and I I cannot wait for this series because. Everybody goes, oh, it's the Belt and Road or it's the Silk Road or it's the Belting Silk, whatever. Nobody really understands the difference. Oh, so yeah. I can't wait to hear your explanations on this. Yeah, just to give people a quick overview on what that is. Right. The original Silk Road was was to build pipelines and railroad infrastructure, you know, upgrade the existing Soviet infrastructure where it existed and put new right. pipelines to Turkmenistan uh, and, as, and, and Kazakhstan where it didn't exist before. And they wanted to get into Iran because Iran's one of the biggest natural gas uh, reserves in the world. So if once the Soviet Union fell, they wanted to move into that area before the Soviet Union, uh, before Russia could, uh, could, you know, could collect itself and, and, uh, and, and redevelop and establish itself. So they wanted to move in there and establish that because with their growing economy, their their energy demands went through the roof. They were self-sufficient, but the more they industrialized, the higher their living standards got, you know, you know, more people get air conditioners, refrigerators, phones, cars, then the more energy that they need for that living standard. 
Yes. So there, you almost have like an X or not an X, but a geometric increase of their energy consumptions. So they needed to get, they needed to go in there and get the natural gas before anybody else did, before the West did, and before Russia reestablished itself. So they made a mad dash with the Silk Road to take the natural gas out of the Caspian Sea region and move it into Kashgar and to Urumqi so they could get it into, into Beijing and Shanghai and you know, wow. Hong Kong and everything else. Right. So the, the first Silk Road program is just to get that established. Now, there's, now they run into another problem of the Malacca, what they call the Malacca Strait dilemma of with their further increase of energy needs. Even after they did that, they're still you know, getting 80 or 90 percent of their energy from um, from the Arabian Peninsula sent through the Malacca, sent through the Strait of Hormuz, Straits of Malacca. Then it goes through the, the through the different islands. So the idea there is to ex, is to put ports on the end of the Silk Road program uh, on the end of the Silk Road project in Chabahar Port, Guadar Port, Karachi, and Chakwa, Myanmar. Okay, I named those in geographical order, not chronological order. But each one of those things does something very specific as far as being able to get cargo ships or tanker ships to one of those ports and then try to ship the cargo and or gas through pipelines right. and railroads into Kashgar, Rumchi, or if in the case of the Chakpa port in Myanmar, from the Bay of Bengal into Kunming, uh, Yunnan, China. Mm-hmm. So each one bypasses a, cho- a maritime choke point so the U.S. Navy can't cut it off. Right. Because they want to end the century of humiliation of the of the colonial era. Plus, Mao Zedong did not want like did not like being treated as a second citizen by Joseph Stalin. Right. So, again, they moved the Belt and Road Initiative is to secure energy and not be the second fiddle to Russia anymore. Right. And then. The uh, the Belt and Road is a maritime strategy to get access to the Indian Ocean so the U.S. can't hem them in with the U.S. naval bases on the first island chain in the Pacific. Oh. So each. Yeah, I know we're going out of order here, but that's OK. I just it, a little light went back off on. I got about 19 other things, but this is great. Keep going. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter which order you explain this stuff in because it's everything's a separate aspect that adds up. Yep. And it only again, I go back to the five power center doctrine, because if you understand how the United States and the UK have always been trying to hem in uh, Russia because they don't want they don't want the biggest raw materials producer connected to the biggest industrial power centers, because eventually they're going to start, you know, with uh, with dependency theory. They're going to start wanting to move the value added production into the heartland. Exactly. And then they're going to industrialize. So then you get into the different uh, uh, economic development theories you have going on. And what was Putin's thesis on? It was using raw materials to boost to boost uh, uh, economic sectoral development. Mm -hmm. So you get into a lot of different economic theories here. Do you want me to go into? uh, Okay. Yeah, so I'm following you, George. Uh, I'm getting tired flying around the world, but I'm having fun. So you just keep going. Oh yeah, when I when I go on my vacations and and ride around on my motorcycles or whatever, I I uh, I, I I love to see these. I love to do the little fact finding missions all over the place. Uh, you just you learn so much just by going and looking at these infrastructural projects. So to get out of so th- for China not to be cut off on the Malacca Strait. That's the purpose of building the ports and railway pipeline systems on the Indian Ocean. But it also surrounds India. India and China have been rivals since the 1950s because Mao Zedong suspected India of colluding with Stalin to thwart Chinese uh, advancement. Mm -hmm. Real or imagined, the Indians say that's nonsense. He's just paranoid. But... That's why Mao Zedong wanted to start moving into Tibet and East Turkestan, which is Xinjiang province. Right. And start pushing in the Himalayas to push back India because he was paranoid. That continues with the Belt and Road program. And, you know, 70 years later or 60 years later of then surrounding India and by going through Pakistan, Iran and then Myanmar on either sides. 
So when when we get to why these two things are critical uh, later on, you have different overt and covert operations trying to either extend these legit, these uh, infrastructural projects or, or block them. So that's why there's always so much conflict in these new and you know using Spikeman's terms in these neutral zone areas. And right. people need to look at this as just a continual war because it has been a continual war. Uh, you know, for a very long time now. Right. You know, especially since the British left India in 1947. You know, something's filling that vacuum. Right. Let me just I, that's a great explanation. And I'm just I don't want to derail us because I, I, you and I are out of the same mold squirrel. Yeah. Uh, just like Tom Kirkman. Uh, but you bring up England and England used to be the uh, have their the British sterling pound used to be the world's uh, global dollar, if you would. Mm hmm. They fell out. They their policies. They lost the dollar once the uh, British sterling pound went away, and the U.S. dollar replaced it. I see a pattern happening, and I see the U.S. dollar going away. And I think once the demise of the dollar happens, as you have pointed out, once we have the debt at a certain level, this is going to be a whole new squirrel. And we're following England's path, but I think we're going to go down even further. But that's that's a whole nother topic. I just wanted to add in there the importance of everything you just said is also tied to our financial issues coming around the corner. I hope you don't mind me just saying that. Oh, yeah. Podcast listeners need to understand even though this has been a 70-year discussion that we've had right now, everything applies to today. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, okay. It's it's in the papers that, that you already posted. Like I said, you posted three. Yes. You're going to post a fourth one later on? Yep. Today. Yeah. Okay. One thing I always stress, it doesn't matter where the Russian pipelines blow up. It doesn't matter when they blew up, what, what decade. Right. Since um, the United States and the U.S. and the U.K. are trying to stop two things. A, natural gas going from the end user to right. Western Europe. It's it's been Germany. Uh, well, uh, and Germany and Italy. Right. And then the end user in Western Europe paying in a euro rubles exchange and exiting the petrodollar. I have different. Some of my MBA friends want me to not use the petrodollar and US world reserve currency they want me a little be a little bit more specific in that but for my case I want to keep it as simple as possible and right. focus and focus on the geopolitical aspect of it not the weaponization of the dollar as much right okay so now why are they wanting again that's got to be in a separate set of papers that we can't okay. even get to until March, but behind the scenes with my MBA friends that focus on that. Wow. Uh, that makes sense. They do. They want to get into it because, okay, that's their area of study. I'm right. trying to control for one variable at a time and keep everything simple because basically we got to give people a hundred page paper, a hundred page book or 200 page book right. or whatever it works out to be two pages at a time. So right. it, this is, this is not it, easy. Yeah. This is going to take, uh, this is going to take six months to a year to do It's It's not going to be, yeah, it's going to take a while. Right. And yeah. I one thing we noticed in the comment section yes, yesterday is people read the one, two pages, but they didn't read the other ones and they're lost. They're already lost. You know, they that's think why, yeah, that's why we're on our pay on our website, energynewsbeat.com, we are going to put a page just for you so that we can have it organized in a nice fashion for you so that all these articles are going to be articulated and we can just have it right there. And as we refer these things to everybody, we can say everything on George uh, from the desk of George. <laughs> so, yeah, because, again, you know. Yeah, we're going we're going through everything out of order, but it, it doesn't I'm matter. Sorry. It's it's there is no particular order here. OK, one thing I was talking about because there's so much to learn. It's just one thing is that people have to understand because, you know, Jeffrey Sachs talks about it in his in his interviews that he's been right. uh, been doing like a lot th this past year. He's been very right. vocal. See, in develop in development economics, you're talking about positive sum gains. Right. OK, so the way I put human behavior in my unified behavioral theory models, which is a separate channel. Right. There's two extremes of human behavior. 
One, because everything is nominal continuums when you start to build measurement systems. You start with that, then go to interval, ordinal, and, and ratio models, right? Right. So is you break everything down to a continuum of full continuum of human behavior. So you got positive mutual sum gains on one side and you have sabotage on the other. So right. on the on one half of the continuum, you're going to have gradations of mutual sum, positive sum gains. On the other side, you're going to have zero sum extraction where one person takes 100 percent from the other. And then on the end of it, you have negative sum sabotage behavior. So political economic development theory from uh, Adam Smith-based theory and, and Ricardo trade theory is based on positive sum, mutual sum gain. Geostrategic mercantilistic theory is negative sum sabotage. Oh. So people have to realize different government agencies, overt and covert, work on different behavioral dynamics. Oh. So Jeffrey Sachs is a development economist and he wanted a Kantian peace plan of mutual trade dependency of democracies. So he wanted the West to interact with uh, with Central Europe as a as a neutral zone where you don't put tanks or rockets in the neutral zone. Right. And then economically integrate Russia with Europe because democracies don't go to war and uh, trade alliances don't go to war because you're going to ruin both your economies if you go to war. I mean, you, you lose money. You're not making money. Right. But what he's been talking about in his podcast for the past for the past year, I mean, he's really he, he's really hot under the collar about this. Is he thinks the United States and I agree with him totally. The United yep. States should have gone into an interdependence model and not a and not a negative sum sabotage strategy yes. like we did. Right. So the negative sum sabotage strategy is the covert agencies operating in what Speakman called the rim uh yeah the uh the rimland and the neutral zone the neutral zone being really central asia. Right. So we with the Brzezinski Stansfield Turner operation cyclone the idea was fund the mujahideen destabilize the southern republics of Russia, right. and then try to get all the oil and natural gas out of there into the West by pipeline. So this, none of this is new. This is a continual war, most of my lifetime, basically, actually. Wow. So if, if people just look at this as ongoing, then they'll start to understand why there's all these conflicts, because you have different ethnic groups. Okay, the British have always done this, played one ethnic group off of another, they play right. the Sikhs off the Punjabs and and a whole bunch of other things that's been going on for a long time. When you start to see these, okay, like in Myanmar, you have all these factions in the in the 1027 alliance. Right. That all of a sudden, I mean, they're they're training videos, their troops are out there doing all these military training exercises. And now they have weapons, they have this and that and the other thing. Well, the only way that that kind of guns and ammo falls out of the sky is by cargo helicopter. And only nation states, again, yeah. not focusing on any particular country, because there's so many covert agencies operating in these areas. Just look at a map and, and Stevie Wonder could see it. Which ones? Because right. India's arrival with China. India doesn't want to be surrounded by China. The U.S. and the U.K. want to maintain that uh, Malacca Strait choke point, along right. with all the other maritime choke points. So people just look at a map of the choke points. I'm focusing on Malacca and Strait of Hormuz, but there's other ones. Uh, you know, Suez Canal is obviously one. Strait of Almandab right. is another one in the Red Sea. You know, you can go down the list. Yeah, the Red Sea is where Yemen just just to bring it. I'm going to make this one comment is they yeah. just had the uh, Yemen Houthis dropping some missiles on on interrupting traffic right there. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll get into that. Uh, I just was saying that for our podcast listeners, because we've been running stories all over about that. Yeah, that's a whole nother can of worms. We we touched on that <laughs> because, again, it looks like, you know, reading the Institute for Study of War, it looks like right. they want, you know, they want that war with Iran because they, again, they need to build that pipeline underneath the Caspian to go through Armenia. We spent right. a lot of money in influencing the election in Armenia with get Pashinyan elected. And we spent 
uh, what, in 2004, a lot of money to, uh, you know, to uh, move their election, move the elections in Georgia to get Mikhail Shakashvili elected there to get NATO UK friendly governments in power. Right. Same thing in Myanmar. So this whole thing is they have a problem. Liquid LNG is way more expensive than natural gas shipped by pipeline. It's a sea power coping strategy to feed its allies, but at a 30% higher cost. That's what the opening papers are about. It's going to, since energy is in every product, every good and service, an increase in energy costs is a cost push inflation that drives the other inflations. Because then they got to cover it with monetary inflation. And then you're going to have a degraded living standard. And then people are going to buy less of something else Right. And then the industries are going to go out of business. Germany's been deindustrializing because you need to move, you need to move your heavy industry close to where the cheap energy is. Exactly. It's all about the energy. Yeah. Uh, just as uh, George, just as a side note, I visited yeah. with one of the head guys at uh, Gazprom years ago. Yeah, he was one of the he was in charge of their entire investor relations uh thing. 13 cent under 13 cents to market to consumer is Gazprom's cost. Oh, amortized over over how many years does he did they amortize? Because uh, those inside yeah. numbers obviously I don't have. Yeah, yeah, he didn't he didn't give it to me. But if you think, you know, a normal our uh Henry Hub price right now is what? Uh, let me look. I can tell you here in a sec. Um it is uh $250. Two dollars and fifty cents. The U.S. can't produce it for that cheap. So I just want our listeners to understand: less than ten cents compared to two fifty. You know, that's oh yeah. I mean, so when you're sitting there thinking of price to market, that's a lot of profit. And then, um, and I, and not trying to interrupt on this, but uh, yesterday Putin put out a note saying Russia is becoming the new global growth center as the West let rests on its laurels. The GDP for Russia is up to 3.5% on their GDP this year. Their energy has been exporting without even with uh, all the sanctions and everything else. So I just want to take that tiny second break back into where you were because our folks need to understand everything you're describing has ramifications today. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I just just kind of shake my head because, yeah, this isn't going to be done in a one-hour podcast. This isn't going to be done in a month. This has got to be an ongoing discussion because this is, there's so many facets to this. It's going to take a very long time. Right. Okay. Like the one guy, somebody in the comment section said, oh no, we didn't separate the, uh, the allies, the allies from, from energy here, you know, here's a chart. (laughs) Well, no, the problem with the the chart is accurate. I get it. Right. It's, it's, it's 30% more or it's, you know, it depends on where the energy is coming from, what it is. Right. And how you're amortizing the cost over decades or not. Right. Or per contract. I mean, it depends on how, I mean, there's so many different ways to to flip that number around, but yeah. still, I mean. So it, again, you know, we have, I'm throwing out the geostrategic arguments. Right. There's already number crunchers out there. If they, if they see what my geopolitical arguments are and they put my information together with their information, oh, we're going to have better, we're going to have better models. Exactly. So, yeah, it's because um, the people yesterday, people are reading maybe one article, but not reading the other ones. So they're not seeing the systematic explanation because I want to go from I want to go from the north of Russia right. and work my way down Eurasia yep. is what I want a systematic. OK, we're not doing that in this conversation, but I mean, we're doing it. We're doing it by the articles. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a conversation, right? Right. So yeah, it's the morning. So we're having the conversation <laughs> over coffee instead of beer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we'll have a wine symposium in the evenings, maybe. I don't know. So if we work our way down systematically and we can control for you know one or two variables or factors at a time, then people can start to see a systematic build out. Right. Okay. Right now we're just talking about the issues that we're talking about in the papers. Right. So yeah, there's a bunch of things that that you raise because you're talking about the pound sterling was the world reserve currency under Pax Britannica. Then right. you have Pax America. And then, you know, Bretton Woods 
and then the um then the petrodollar of 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 um of uh Kissinger and what uh Abdulaziz right um in 73 that was adopted and finalized by all of OPEC in 1975 then right. that made all the energy that OPEC sold had to be done in dollars and we didn't have a big debt national debt until we switched to that format because now there is a way then there was a way for congress to push debt and have it paid for by people buying our treasury notes with you know as their as their money market and then now the dread, now the debt's driven up. There's no way we're going to pay this back, especially when you start looking at we're almost 34 trillion dollars in debt. And I've been saying for you know 10 years we're going to have inflation at 30 trillion, and then rampant or you know higher levels of inflation at 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 35 trillion. And right. then I was watching a video that the Mises Institute put out recently, and their economics professors I, I forget their names. But they, what they track in their podcast is at what point the interest payments are going to start eclipsing the whole Department of Defense or the whole social services or the whole intelligence agencies. Right. Because the neocons track progress in military power. Right. The neoliberals and the left, the AOC Pelosi left, they track power, they track uh, progress Success. in terms of socialism right. of expanding the bureaucracies going to a welfare state. So the neoliberals might have a softer form of socialism, and the far left social democrats of America have a much more expansive version of of socialism. Right. And the neocons want the military, but they all want big government. Right. But that's going to drive us to a point where either the banks aren't going to get paid, the people owning the Treasury uh, bills. OK, they already know that they have MBAs on. Again, they got number crunchers on that. So we're throwing in the geopolitical aspect of that so they can better fine tune their models. We can better fine tune our models. Right. You know, that's the point of this exercise of of throwing it out there for general discussion and then we were also taught looking at the um at Wesley Clark's videos cuz he's been talking about right. you know why we're invading these countries in the middle east and there's a policy coup a certain people have taken over what are what are they doing what are their motives right so we're adding the rigorous analysis to what he was talking about in his 2007 campaign right also so again and- and on those videos, George, if you'll cut the time, we're still recording our podcast for our podcast listeners. Yeah. We will fly in some of the most important pieces as you tell us which ones he's talking to. And we'll get those flown in either at the end or interject them in the appropriate times. If that Yeah. And that in the two minute, I mean, in the in the in the seven um, country video, it was right at the uh, right before the two minute mark. Right. And then he then he gets into the countries that they want to invade. So that would be a good point to fly it in now. Yeah. OK. And then, and then you start talking about then he starts. Um, if you overlay a map on that, you see right. where the pipelines want to go. Got Again, uh, didn't really want to get into the Iranian thing, but we'll get into it. We'll get it now that we're there anyway, because, <laughs> well, it's a conversation. So it's kind of at random. Okay. The, the paper, the papers are systematic. The conversations are at random. Right. So you get the uh, the Qatar pipeline wanted to go from Sunni controlled, you know, Qatar, right, to Sunni controlled Saudi Arabia to Sunni controlled Jordan, but then they stop at Shia controlled Syria and Lebanon. Right. Okay. Because okay, so. The Shia, the Alawite Shia that are in Lebanon and and Syria, which are now all Hezbollah. Right. Okay. Just again, keeping things very simple here. Or Iranian control. Because ever since the 1970s, the Sunnis have been trying to go into Afghanistan to surround Shia Persia. Right. Okay. The Arabs, the Arabs and the Persians have always been fighting since biblical times. Everybody knows that. But since since the Sunnis have been trying to encircle the Shias, then the Shias, what's their counter strategy is to break out of the encirclement. So if mm-hmm. someone looks at a Sunni Shia map, you can see where you got the Houthi areas in um, in Yemen are Shia and then in, in just south of Jeddah in Saudi Arabia and on the east coast of Persian Gulf, all the way from Baghdad, all the way down to uh, to uh, to Qatar. 
that whole eastern seaboard of that area is Shia. So they're striking back, right? trying to take control of they, those areas and what they call the Shia crescent, crescent. They're really trying to build across through Kurdistan in northern Iraq to hook up and feed uh, Bashar al-Assad. Right. So again, going to the pipeline map, the pipeline going from natural gas getting from Qatar, which is, has a, there's a lot of natural gas in the Persian Gulf. They need to get it to Europe. It can go through the, the Sunni controlled areas, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Jordan. It gets blocked in Lebanon and Syria, mm-hmm. and then it reconnects into Turkey. So they needed to get rid of those governments. So that explains the seven countries that they wanted to invade that Wesley Clark was talking about. That wow. explains the use of big tech in the Arab Spring driving um, revolutions in those areas. To me, it's well, my interpreters that I have in the Middle East were adamant that this is going to create such a uh, Frankenstein's monster is what the, the Indians call it. But they were just saying it's going to stir up such a hornet's nest, it might go out of control. Hence, I talk about the uh, Brzezinski, Stansfield Turner era was regime change destabilization. Right. Then it looked like with the GWAT area, you know, global war on terror, terror after 9-11, that's a regime change nation building project, which which failed. Then we left out of Afghanistan and we turned it back to Operation Cyclone, regime change destabilization. Right. So they need that pipeline to replace Russian gas going through Syria. What did Russia do? If that's the strategy of the US and UK, then the Russian counter strategy is to support Bashar al-Assad, support Iran and block it. You're supporting Iran to keep the natural gas coming out of the Caspian Sea region underneath the Caspian Sea into Armenia and Georgia, where they moved, where they, uh, well, they, uh, I don't want to say rigged the elections, but they they influenced the elections. They right. influenced the elections in those areas. We want to stay politically correct here. So they can get those pipelines through Armenia and Georgia and Fiona Hill in 2004, Brookings Institution for Robert Kagan, married to Victoria Newland, right. did a paper on building the Trans Black Sea pipeline from Batumi, Georgia to Burgas, Bulgaria. So they've had this plan in effect since at least then, obviously, because she's written a paper. It's on the Brookings Institution website. I downloaded it, made sure it didn't disappear. So Oops. now uh, Russia is supporting Iran to keep the pipeline from going, to keep them from de- destabilizing Iran. Yep. And they went and they backed Bashar al-Assad to stop the pipeline from uh, from going through from Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Jordan into Turkey because it's Sunni controlled Turkey and right. they're part of NATO. They're part of NATO uh, kind of sitting on a fence. They're sitting right. on several fences, which is why I don't want to get into it. But no. that was the that was the problem. So now you got the Hamas attack in Israel that a lot of people are like, it took them a little bit too long. I don't know anybody in the industry that doesn't say it took them a little bit too long to respond. Like they wanted a reason. They wanted it to be a little bit more horrific. So they have a reason to flatten Gaza. It's disgusting. And, yeah. And I don't know anybody yeah. in the quick reaction force business that isn't leaning that direction. Again, what Hamas did was, is horrific. There's no question. And But yeah, the reason to flatten Gaza yeah, it's not the Sua, it's not the uh, the Ben Gurion Canal because that can actually go north of Gaza. Because right. a lot of people were talking about that, they could have done that decades ago, going around. It's not that the Gaza Marine uh, oil play and gas play out there makes sense, but the pipelines there were supposed to go underneath the Mediterranean uh-huh. Sea to Greece. Yep, that takes too long. They didn't do that yet. Uh, maybe it's it's too exposed to sabotage if they did. Right. I, I just you know I I don't I can read pipeline maps. I can't read their minds. No, I can. In, in fact, I, can, I have a map uh, or two, George. Yeah, we can. I can read maps and right. I can build strategic. You know, you can make a game theoretic strategic plan if side A does does something. You know, how is how is uh, side B going to respond to that? That's right. all I'm doing is just building game theoretic models in a geostrategic format. Right. So 
Yeah, that's all this is. I, I, yeah, people will probably call me a, a Russian shill for for building strategic game theoretic strategic models, but whatever. Right. Um, yeah, they can have as much fun with this as they want because a year from now they're going to see this play out. Right. So I, it doesn't matter. Well, you know, I've so, affectionately called you Jack Ryan, and uh, you know, I sit here and I watch Jack Ryan a little while ago. You know, I don't want to know what you, you know, it's sitting here going, uh, I don't want anybody showing up on our doorstep. Fortunately, everything we're talking about is academia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it may be more like Indiana Jones if you want to go with that character. Um, oh, yeah. OK. Well, either one's better looking than me. So we're. All yeah. Yeah. I, I just. Um, yeah, now, Kevin I, I just Costner like could play you in a movie. You know, yeah, I mean, he's several inches dude. taller. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, that, yeah, that, would be good. that would be taller. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I can see when we make your book into a movie uh, that Kevin Costner would be there and I'd be there like Marty Feldman with a hump on my back. Yeah. You know, so, all right. Okay, okay. When you write your book, you got to have a Marty Feldman carrying your bags around. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll do that. Okay. <laughs> We're getting back to reality. Now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, I I don't have his looks and I don't have his money. So uh, yeah, we're, we're going to get back to reality. Yeah, so when you get to uh, when you get to the uh, the Syrian pipelines, oh, oh, I'm sorry, we we're talking about the canal, right? And we we're talking about the um, the the uh, the Gaza Marine play. Yeah. So then, th what they really need is the pipeline going through the Levant, right? And right now, so you got you got in in Speakman's terms, this, the cordon sanitaire in Eastern Europe because they moved NATO into Eastern Europe to surround all the pipelines coming out of Belarus, right? And then you know flaring off to all the other countries. So they blocked up that off, thinking that Russia was going to collapse with the light with the slightest bit of sanctions, right? Again, Putin's thesis is how to use. An export-led growth model on on raw materials, right? For an economic development plan, you know, a sectoral development plan following either you know, like a, a like a Rostow takeoff theory or Baumol right. uh, sectoral growth theory. So they're trading oil for technological know-how and joint ventures following right. the export-led growth model. The problem with that is with the oligarchs that they put it that the United States. Put into play the you know the big finance. Right. They're sucking so much money out of the system with the petrodollar trading system that they can't uh, keep the investment money inside Russia. Right. So the the Russian hardliners you know got rid of Yeltsin, put Putin power, and told him basically we need to keep this investment money inside Russia for economic development and the Western oriented right. oligarchs. That are putting the money every place but Russia, you right. know, Swiss bank accounts, City of London, of course, Wall Street, Caymans, you know, wherever, or or Cyprus, you know, yeah. you know, all the big offshore banking centers, how to get that stopped and keep the investment inside Russia. So that's one of the I wow. I got uh I did three videos on that on the Russian strategic plans on the Working Brother channel on YouTube. Right. It's high informational. Extremely boring, low production value. But I, again, I just did it just to get these things out there. <laughs> yeah, we need to do higher production values, uh, value videos. I totally get it. But, you know, just to get the information out there, we did it that way. Right. But again, uh, for us to do it in, in this format, more to an energy sector, because that's just a startup channel. You know, it was just to both for us to pr kind of practice. Right. So again, it's going to take us a year to get these different strategic plans out there. Because once people start to see what the different strategic plans are and what the difference between economic growth models are, right. and that's positive sum growth in the following the Kantian peace triangle and you know interdependency triangle and versus the covert agencies doing the negative sum sabotage, people are going to understand you know all the what the conflict of low to high intensity conflict that's all around that Asia, all around Eurasia is going to start to make increasingly more sense. It, it's it not is. random. It's planned. It's orchestrated. It's the continuous fighting in the neutral zone. Again, I went back to Vietnam. It's It was to stop the spread of communism then. It's to stop Russia from building its pipelines now, one reason. And then the second reason is to stop uh, Chinese integration. 
Because if Russia and Chinese integrate infrastructurally, yeah, then they, they economically, military, militarily, right. and diplomatically integrate also. Because whenever you've spent a billion dollars on building something, you use, you know, the military as armed guards to protect it. You know, right. individuals hire armed guards to protect their businesses. Nation states use their military armed guards to protect their billion dollar, trillion dollar infrastructural projects. Right. So, yeah, people need to start understanding what the conflict is in each one of these areas. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't go to these areas for no reason. I mean, I, I take weird vacations because I'm into economic development theory and geopolitics. Yep. Have you, have you seen the movie? Uh, have you seen the movie uh, Air America? Oh I yeah, with, uh, oh boy, yeah, um, Mel Gibson. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely a great one. It's one of my dad's favorite movies. Being an old military pilot that he is, George, we have about ten more minutes, and of these ten minutes, uh, just as a little bit of a teaser again for our folks. And that is we we've got the four articles. The fourth is going out today. You're going to have your page on energynewsbeat.com. And that page is going to be organized very nicely so people can go to that one page. Um, and then we're going to have start having these videos out here. So and I am I owe you an apology for sidetracking you. But the one point I want to make is that as we're going through this learning curve with you, it applies to today now oh, yeah. this is you're leading up and i hate to keep bringing it to today but you have you have really opened the veil for me in this and i can't begin to tell you thank you but we got about 10 more minutes and i don't want to interrupt your yeah. train of thought again let's let's close this out with um again the the idea of the first few papers is right. if you get russian russian natural gas going to Germany and it's already connected, you know, in the, with Power Siberia One project, which is was completed a few years ago. So Russia and China are already integrated. So right. the United States can't separate Russia and China as as it did as it wanted to under the uh under the Kennan or or Kissinger strategies right. of, of the 50s, 60s, and 70s. So that's kind of gone. And they want to build power of Siberia too coming from the Yamal field up in the Arctic, okay, that's going to be a huge pipeline. They want to uh, build that through Mongolia because they don't want it to go through Kazakhstan because they're selling the same product. So Putin mm. wants to send it around. China just wants it to go through Kazakhstan because then it fits into their existing pipeline network already. And it's the fastest, cheapest thing to do. But Russia wants to send it around and bring in uh, Mongolia into it so they can economically develop and integrate. And again, they, they're all the players in that area, all the nation states are selling oil and gas and other raw materials. So they're all competitors in the same space. See, nobody wants the other country to shut off their gas so they can sell Russia gas. their natural gas to China and feed that right. industry. China doesn't want any country to cut off any other country's uh, supply either. Right. So they want as many pipelines, you know, going north to south or east or, or west to east as possible. Right. So no one person can cut off their supply. China's also been rebuilding its 300 coal power plants for the last several years. They in have, case, yeah, they have 400 new ones, 400 new ones permitted already. Okay. Yeah. So they're trying to hurriedly comp uh, do that because of all the perimeter wars. If the U.S. Navy cuts them off in in Malacca, they want to switch to coal. They're That's why. The, yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, if if you were them, just rational actor models is all I'm doing. If you were them, what would you do if you're being surrounded? If you already know what the strategic plans are, because you know, I named the authors in these strategic plans. Right. They teach at the major universities. Okay, They're George, reading the same books. I just want to tell you something here. Every topic and every paper that I read all the time, I read lots of articles every morning. Yeah. I'm up at four or five. I read till, you know, eight o'clock and I work on the news, news channels and stuff. Everybody is China is putting in the... Uh, coal plants, the new coal, the 400 that are permitted, they're putting in one or two a week, whatever the number's coming up. 
Yeah. The, the gigawatt, 480 gigawatt, whatever the number is that is coming up is because they need the power plus their renewables. That comment that you just made is so critical. It ne- That is an epiphany for me right now because all of a sudden that made about four or five other articles tie through a thread that is not being talked about. That yeah, I mean, thread, it is not there. Right. I mean, getting back to Wesley Clark, he talks about somebody hijacked, you know, the American foreign policy. Well, right. again, it's for the journalist to figure out what that is. The covert agencies, you know, whether it's United States, Britain, you know, uh, China, Russia, whatever, it's not up for the covert agencies to tell us what their strategic plans are. Otherwise, right. they would not be covert agencies. Right. So, I mean, it's it's us to you know read the books, figure it out what it is and just throw it open right. for discussion. Right. You know, so wow. that was uh, that was why I throw in the Wesley Clark interviews. We'll B-roll that, you know, when we um, right. we can, because we got to do a whole bunch more podcasts. Oh, but yeah, yeah, just to just to close out what the domino theory was, it's China's already I mean, Russia and China are already con- connected by natural gas. So China's going to be more economically uh, uh, viable because of lower energy costs and they can't be cut off. Right. Had Nord Stream gone through, then all then uh, all the Eastern European countries that NATO moved into right. can be bypassed. You can't. You can't influence elections in the sea. So Nord Stream had to bl- be blown up because if if the industrial power center of Germany gets uh, gets natural gas, their goods, you know, cars, uh, BASF with their pharmaceuticals and, and right. uh, petrochemical uh, production, they become more competitive, you know, against, you know, Dow and, 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 and people right. like that, and DuPont. They become more competitive worldwide, but it's not just Germany. It's it's. Switzerland, it's the whole German world, Switzerland, Liechtenstein, Austria. And the Slavic uh, area as well, too. Then you get the whole Danube River Valley in the Slavic area. Yep. So every place that NATO moved into, you're like, oh, they're blocking this port. They're blocking this pipeline. They're blocking this river. Oh, yeah. Because that's right. Keep in mind, the great game of the great of Great Britain for 300 years now. They've got the rivers already mapped out. Instead of blocking just agricultural shipments, now you're blocking oil ships. Right. So technology changed, energy changed, but the rivers the didn't move. No, the game still was there. The geo strategy is still there. So then if China's connected to Russia, and again, these are bilateral agreements. I'm not saying they all get along in multilateral agreements, but for game theoretic competition, it's better that they are, that a lot of them are rivals because when one of them gets gets a price advantage for energy, the other one has to follow suit too. Exactly. They only have to do a bilateral agreement with Russia. So then if China is integrated with Russia, the German world gets integrated with Russia with the secondary players in the Danube River, what's Japan going to have to do? They got to complete the Hokkaido to Sakhalin pipeline so they can get in. If Japan and the other people get in, what's South Korea going to do? Well, Russia's been to North Korea a lot. They talk about foreign military sales and pipelines wherever, wherever Putin and the Gazprom executives go. So if they talked about foreign military sales, which is what the mainstream media is talking about. What the mainstream media isn't talking to you about is probably a pipeline deal going oh, no. through North Korea to South Korea. No, um, no, they're not. Yeah. Well, George, uh, I cannot wait for our next group. And I mean, I can't wait for our uh, web design team to have you have your own page. Uh, so we're going to have that organized and have it approved by you. So uh, yeah. I just cannot wait to help continue get this discussion out. Um, uh, you know, even though I got my MBA, uh, you can tell that I keep trying to pull back to finance. Yeah. And this is a whole different kind of an animal. And I love studying geopolitical. And this is a front row seat to the great professor, George McMillan. I'm having so much fun. Thank you so much. Now, last word to you. Oh, yeah. Well, just, uh, yeah, the biggest threat to that five-power center alliance turns out that it's not communism. It's actually cheap Russian gas. And again, we need to control one variable at a time. And you you have to see if if the 
U.S. and U.K. strategy is to surround Russia, then you got to see, well, okay, what's their counter strategic plan? And then that's how you start building strategic models. So the, the plan here isn't to come up with a definitive solution, because if I could do that, my crystal ball worked really well. I would I would just play it in the in the in the in the lottery and I wouldn't right. be doing this at all. <laughs> so we're building a model where people as things start to move because you're going to have different you're going to have some people making some oddball moves and you're going to have some black swan events. Right. So when something happens instead of people starting to figure out what their emergency procedure you know response procedures are if you already have your emergency response procedures mapped out ahead of time oh they played they right. play COA option D. Okay, switch to this menu. And then what's the collateral effects? How exactly. are the other people going to play that? Which COA is, and you do that by watching okay. which political parties are going to win in each, in each George, uh, actors. George, yeah. I can see that you and I are going to have a merch store on your page. We're going to have t-shirts made. And then we, do you remember Risk, that game? Oh, yeah, yeah. I love risk. In fact, we had risk parties that would last all night. We'd get five or six risk risk boards, tie them together, and just get in the middle of the floor, and we would put play for twenty four hours straight. That I love this kind of stuff that much. Yeah. That we're gonna have the McMillan and Associates risk game update. <laughs> oh yeah! So Do we've that. got as a merch, we're gonna have to create the McMillan risk. <laughs> yeah, risk strategio uh, uh, stratego was another one back in the yeah, day. Yeah, but we, I'm sitting here thinking you got to have this in a board and you're going to have to have maps out there for people to really look at. Yeah. And I I guess, yeah, boy, um, (laughs) anyway, for a whole bunch of different reasons. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We'll, we'll leave it there because uh, if we open up another can of, we need to have, we need to continue. We need to have several more podcasts if we can. Absolutely. George, thank you for stopping by the podcast today. Uh, yeah. George McMillan, CEO of McMillan and Associates, will have your LinkedIn conversation. And thank you for your uh, industry thought leadership, George. Outstanding. Thank you for stopping by today.